VChat. This is edition number 18, and my name's David Davis from VMWareVideos.com and TrainSignal. And my name's Simon Seagrave from TechHead.co.uk. And I'm Eric Siebert from vSphereLand.com. Well, awesome, guys. It's great to be back with you again. Uh, we've got some great topics lined up for the show. Um, first off, I want to talk about a tweet I saw from Simon um, where he said that he was at Mount Everest Base Camp. So, uh, Simon, how the heck did you get to Mount Everest? <laughs> uh, yeah, nothing, nothing that glamorous, actually. Um, I ended up, uh, it was a holiday trip. Um, it's best in Nepal, uh, a place that I've always wanted to, to visit and, and travel to. Um, obviously, it's uh, getting increasingly hard these days. So, uh, yeah, it was a lifelong trip for me to, to head there. So uh, we spent uh, two weeks in total, uh, a few days in Nepal, but the majority in Tibet, been, uh, visiting different Tibetan monasteries and uh, seeing a lot of the local people and what have you. And then the, uh, the real highlight of the trip was to actually travel to Everest Base Camp. Um, we, we were really lucky actually because it's a, it's a funny time of the year to go because the uh, the weather's quite mixed. So the chances of us actually getting to see Everest were pretty, even from base camp, were pretty remote. Uh, so we, we were very lucky actually. We uh, got there, it was cloudy, but within sort of half an hour it started to clear. And by the evening and the sunset it was just 100% clear. Uh, got some amazing photos. Um, the night was clear and also the morning uh, for the sunrise in the morning completely clear. Uh, got some fantastic photos again and it started to cloud in and uh, started raining for about two days thereafter. Mm. So, uh, you know, probably for the once in a lifetime trip there, very, very fortunate indeed. Um, what was very interesting, however, I mean, I don't know whether you guys have ever traveled uh, at altitude before. But uh, even in the capital of uh, Tibet, which is Lhasa there, um, even at that, that sort of altitude, which I think is around about 3,600 meters or thereabouts, uh, the, the effect altitude has on your body is phenomenal. Um, yeah, try drinking. We had a lot of people in the... Yeah, exactly. you just got to drink the whole time yeah. uh, to well, no, take I mean, your diamox. When, uh, um, when you drink alcohol at altitude, you get drunk really fast. Yeah, well, we had a couple of people continue to drink a couple of beers with meals and what have you, and they drop like flies within yeah. about 12 hours of arriving uh, there. Uh, you know, the headaches and just generally quite sick with the acute um, yeah, uh, altitude sickness. sickness. Yep. But, but the crazy thing is you'd walk, walk up, you know, just a small flight of steps and you'd be panting, uh, you know, like you'd just run a marathon. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, in the subsequent days leading up to base camp, uh, obviously the altitude, we got gradually increased the, the altitude we were traveling at. Um, so we got to uh, the base camp that was around about sort of 5,300 meters. And by that stage, uh, luckily the body had acclimatized a little bit, but, uh, you know, I, I felt like a 90-year-old man when I was there. You know, it was, <laughs> it was so tiring. <laughs> but yeah, good we, fun. Um, and, uh, we, uh, I live at 6,000 feet, and, you know, once you get acclimated at that altitude, it, it's okay And that. And we actually have, a, in Colorado, it's a big thing to climb the 14ers, 14,000-foot mountains. There's about 50 of them here. There's actually one you can drive up all the way up to 14,000 feet. So you don't have to do all the, the heavy, you know, the hard climbing and that. And um, so, you know, that, that big change, you know, you get people that go from, that just get here and go from zero sea level um, where they initially came from all the way up to 14,000, man. It just wipes some people out totally. You know, once you get acclimated, it's not bad, but it's, um, you know, those people that haven't been up to that altitude before and um, do it right away can uh, have some problems. Yeah, definitely. It can be quite dangerous, actually, as well. Sorry, what was that? How did you even fly to Nepal? How did you even get there? Oh, we, uh, we, we, we flew there, flew to Nepal, and then, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, pretty much uh, bust. 
and uh, with a little bit of trekking in there as well. So I got to ask the question: you Did you have your flight? Did you have your own V Sherpa? <laughs> v Sherpa, uh, that make a make a pretty good T-shirt. Uh, no, no, I didn't in that, uh, that case. Uh, I had to carry my own bags, but uh, luckily, you know, we're having, uh, um, traveling by coach most of the time. So you're that close. Why not go to the top? Uh, it's very tempting. I mean, it was interesting. So from base camp, there's three stops uh, between there and the top. Um, but the actual cost to actually travel to the top is around about sort of anywhere between sort of you know 55 to about 85 thousand dollars. Oh, wow! Uh, just to get just to get a permit to head up there. Oh, well, just for the uh, permit? Because you, you know, get a higher shirt well, and all that too. Yeah, I think that includes uh, so, you know um, uh, part of your expedition as well. But okay. uh, it's definitely not wow. cheap. Okay, definitely, wow, I didn't know definitely that. not cheap. Huh. And doesn't it take like a month to, to for the whole process to get up and down? I'm not sure. I, I could imagine it would, if, if not longer, actually. I'd imagine it would probably take you longer just to acclimatize, you know. Yeah, it would be uh, nice if they, they just built a tram where you could just take a tram up there now, you know, instead of doing all that <laughs> climbing. I tell you what, you're up there, though, and you couldn't be further away from technology. It's... Uh, <laughs> it's kind of crazy apart from your uh, well the crazy thing is up there that it's got a pretty strong mobile phone signal um, really? which, which, which is mad and, um, and obviously data as well because that's where I got to send the tweet from so uh, you know it's a, the world's a bizarre place these days where you can be in these uh, rather extreme middle of nowhere places and still send a tweet so was it pretty cold up there winter like or was it not bad no, well, it wasn't bad at all, actually. It's off-season at the moment, so a lot of uh, the area where there would have been snow, there was no snow anymore. Okay. Um, uh, temp- Temperature-wise, in, in the evening, it probably dropped down to sort of, uh, well, in, in UK, uh, about sort of zero or minus one. Okay. Oh, cool. Kind of one of, one of those uh, once-in-a-lifetime opportunities in that, so it sounds like it's uh, fun, so... Definitely came came back from the holiday absolutely shattered. So uh, it's actually uh, I'm feeling in much better shape now back at work than I did when uh, I was on holiday, which is kind of uh, kind of ironic. <laughs> and what was with that uh, that mud fest you were at uh, right after that? Yeah, well, it's mad. You know, it got back. Uh, a lot of people seem to think I was leading a bit of a rock and roll lifestyle there, but uh, <laughs> it's literally a case of just getting all my holiday um, out of the way because uh, from here on in for the next sort of two, three months with uh, preparing for VM, the, the, the two VM worlds, uh, it's going to be kind of crazy. I'm just going to okay. be working pretty much yeah. the whole time. But, um, yeah, the mud thing, uh, that, that was the uh, very famous Glastonbury Music Festival here in the U.K., um, so uh, if you're in the UK, it's, it's one of those events you have to have to go to at least once. But uh, it's renowned for for its bad weather. Um, <laughs> although it's summer here, for some reason the weekend it falls on always seems to be uh, full of sort of heavy downpours and rain. Yeah, I saw your pictures and it was just insane, like a sea of mud, and that it was like <laughs> nuts. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And those photos didn't really do it justice at all. It was uh, it was just a quagmire of uh, of mud the whole time. Uh, so uh, once again, it was good to get back home and actually uh, <laughs> yeah, rest up and get a decent night's nice sleep. Uh, yeah. Cool. Well, awesome. Awesome trips, man. Um, so I guess let's get started talking about some technology. Um, I want to talk about the new iOmega, the PX series. I know Simon um, and Eric, you guys both have one. I've got the older iX4, and I was interested in the PX. So uh, I guess, Eric... Tell, tell us what you think about it. You go first. Um, I haven't got too deep into it yet. Um, basically, I got mine as a replacement for my iX. It's been having all, all those drive problems, and um, EMC was nice enough to, to replace my iX with a PX. So I have the 8-terabyte 4-drive unit. They come in uh, several configurations. You can also get them in a 6-drive unit. Um, and also, I think, Simon, is it 12 as well? 
for the PX? Uh, no, no. There's the PX4, uh, which is the four drive. PX6 was the um, uh, six drive, and then you've got the rack mount model. Oh, okay. Uh, which, yeah, I think, I think it's, I think that's around about eight or ten drives, possibly twelve. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I can't remember off the top of my head. Okay. And, you know, initial impression that I, I really like, it seems a lot more solidly built than the iX. Um, the really nice thing is the door up front. You can take the drives right out. You no longer have to take the case off to pull them out. It's got really nice removable drives. Um, overall, it just seems a lot more solid, well, a lot more well built. Um, it, it's just, I haven't, I've been playing with the interface a little bit. The setup was pretty easy in that. Um, there's a lot more features with it now with uh, the new software. The new software is completely different from the iX software. It's got the built-in personal cloud software now. I haven't had a chance to try that yet. Um, but overall, I, I love from what I've been doing with it so far, which isn't all that much, um, I, I just love it a lot more than the old iX. And um, I think the, the, the other big thing on there is it now comes driveless, so you can roll your own drive, so you don't have to be stuck with the uh, the drives they give you. And another thing I noticed in this as well is with the iX, you had those old Seagate uh, slower drives, the 5200 RPM drives, or 54, yeah. whatever they were. With this one, they come with new Hitachi um, 7200 RPM drives. So this unit's geared around performance. There's one right there Simon's holding up. Um, so it, the, the P stands for performance. So basically, it's supposed to be higher performing. It's got more CPU, more memory than the iX. Um, and uh, it's supposed to perform a lot better. And Simon's done a lot of performance testing with it that he's going to probably publish soon. I haven't really had a chance to yet, but I'd like to compare it against the iX to see where it's at. So, Simon, what do you think? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Actually, I just looked it up, actually. The um, the other PX, the rack mount we were, we were speaking of there is actually a PX4, so it's a four-drive uh, oh, rack okay. mount model. Okay. Uh, there is still the iX12, which is a 12-drive model. Uh, right. I wouldn't be surprised if we do see a PX12 going forward, um, right. you know, as, as they phase out the iX range. Um, but, yeah, no, I feel like yourself, Eric. I found it a great little device. Um, I've tried to hold off from uh, using it um, <laughs> or running VMs off of it as long as I could, um, but because um, I wanted to do the performance testing uh, in it and what have you. But the temptation of actually uh, throwing in a couple of SSD drives, which I've now done, um, uh, yeah, it was too great. So I've done that. So I'm actually running most of my production environment off it now. Um, one nice feature with it uh, that you don't have with the iX, obviously, you can use the SSDs as well as the SATA drives or a mixture right. of the two. But you've got storage pools in there. So, for example, the way I've got it carved up at the moment, so I've got two SSDs in there. Um, and also two, ter two, two terabyte uh, SATA disks in there. So they're two separate storage pools. Um, and then obviously, you know, I can run various VMs out of these, these various pools and what have you. So definitely a lot more flexibility there. Uh, a lot of the features and functionality uh, are around it are very similar to the iX. Um, but it is, if you've got one of the older iX editions, it is running the new Cloud Edition, which has some very nice new features in it. Um, you know, for example, if you want it for a home device, it's got a lot of uh, hooks into social media, uh, various services such as, you know, your Facebooks and Flickr and things like that. And one, one feature um, I quite like around it, and actually there's something maybe we could test between our devices here, Eric, is, is actually the remote backup. Right, okay. um, so what I'm able to do here is actually uh, specify some particular directories or volumes or shares on, on the device here and actually replicate it or encrypt it and replicate it with another PX or IX device running the cloud edition somewhere else on the, over the Internet. Um, like I say, it's all encrypted. It sends it securely. So a scenario, for example, I could have a particular directory here with all my photos 
and I could uh, back it up to Eric's PX device, for example, and he could do it the, the, the same as well. So, you know, obviously, uh, off-site backups are uh, definitely a good thing. Um, yeah, and also me, it's got um, so. direct backups to Mosey. It's got direct backups to Amazon S3 and Time Machine as well. So it's, it's pretty robust backups. You, you knew, obviously, they were going to get Mosey in there at some point. It's good to see that that's integrated now and that. So lots of good backup yeah. options as well. Yeah, definitely. You know, that, that's something I'd like to try out. Uh, for running your VMs off it so far, uh, like you say, Eric, I've run a, a number of IOMeter performance um, uh, tests on it. Uh, I've just got to compile all, all, all the results off of that, uh, which I'll be doing hopefully this weekend. Um, but, yeah, yeah, been quite impressed with the performance off there, especially off the SSD. As you'd imagine, it's very, very responsive indeed. Uh, I'm just using an NFS at the moment, but uh, found that quite good. And as with the iX devices as well, it's full, fully uh, VMware certified as well. So uh, you know that it's going to be running with, with the current edition, 4.1 of uh, or, or before of uh, ESX or ESXi, which uh, is definitely uh... a good thing. When is VAAI coming for it? VAAI, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, well uh, to be honest, yeah. I, I don't think you'll probably ever see it no. uh, just because yeah. of the processing power required exactly. for that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, talking of processing power, it's definitely got a lot more horsepower under the hood. Uh, for a start, it's a, it's a dual-core Atom-based processor in there. Uh, the memory. Uh, depending on the model you have, is about three, you know t twice or four times the amount uh, found in the IX, and okay. it's that extra uh, horsepower via the CPU and the memory that uh, allows it to actually use SSDs. So w with the IX model, there were quite a few people out there, including myself, uh, always quite liked the idea of running SSDs in the IX and uh, gave it a go, but it just never worked. And the reason for that, it never just had the um, the, the, the SSDs just saturated the uh, you know the, um, the, okay. the processing power of the IX unit. Uh -huh. So okay. great to be running some um, some SSDs finally in there now. Now, the one thing I notice is if you're used to buying the iX4, this one is more expensive in that the uh, the base model with no drive. Typically, you could get a 4-terabyte iX4 for around six to $700. Um, the list price on the driveless model, the PX, is uh, 799 So it is, you know, obviously you're getting more, and that's to be expected. It's going to cost more. Um, so it might be out of reach of some of the, the people putting in home labs and that. But the good thing is you can roll your own drive, so maybe you, you buy the unit and then gradually add drives to it, and that... Um, um, it comes in uh, zero terabyte, four terabyte, eight terabyte, and twelve terabyte pre-configured models, where you can put all the way up to three terabyte drives in there and get twelve terabytes, um, or you can just go out and buy your own drives and um, put them in there and kind of scale it however you like. Yeah, one thing just to point out around that. Um, uh, at the time of uh, recording this, um, I know there's two two uh, two particular models of uh, SATA disk and one particular type of SSD that you can officially use in there. Oh, um, okay. So, uh, yeah, yeah, it's not a case of just throwing any old drive in there. I mean, you can do, and to be honest with you, so the, the, the 99 of the time, it's probably going to. It's probably going to work. Um, yeah, I've got a link on my site there in the in the link section. So uh, anyone wanting to look that up, uh, just just check it out there. But um, you know, it, it, most most drives will work in there. Uh, it, it'll come down to support. So for example, let's say you have an issue with one of the drives or it starts doing something a bit funky. Uh, if you contact support, you know um, they'll soon pick up that you're running none none supported drives oh, really? in there and. Uh, <laughs> You know, depending, you know, they may decide not to support it because it is uh, not on the HCL. Oh, wow. I'd imagine over time you'll probably see the HCL list probably increase in size as the okay. uh, product sort of matures and uh, is on the market. 
those Hitachi drives that they give you seem decent. You know, at least they are 7200 RPM. Yeah. They're the better class, you know, better RPM speed drives. So yeah. Um, but if you buy it with drives, it gets kind of pricey because <clears throat> I think it was the um, the four terabyte model is what is it? Um, where it was here, I think it was like around yeah eleven ninety nine. The eight terabyte model is twenty two ninety nine, and the twelve terabyte model is twenty nine ninety nine. So that gets pretty pricey, and I imagine the cheaper that's less price through through the online retailers and that. But um, if you start you yeah. know getting the larger models, it does get up there in price. Yeah, I mean, around the costing there, um, I haven't announced it as yet, but hey, why not do it now? Um, what I've managed to arrange with the folks at uh, iMega, because I've been quite really impressed with the, um, uh, you know, with the device, and obviously it, with it being part of the EMC, I've, I've got some relationships with with the folks uh, at iMega, the great great bunch of people. Um, they've they've actually agreed to give me a discount code that I can pass on to people oh, cool. uh, for actually a, a very generous 20% off the PX oh, devices great. until the end of September. Wow. So uh, it's actually valid from the 1st of July, so by the time you listen or, or, or watch this, uh, I'm guessing it'll be, <laughs> it'll, uh, it'll be um, in effect. So from the 1st of July to the end of September, uh, there's a discount code uh, where you can get 20% off. Now, as of this point in time, it's for UK sales only. Uh, uh, okay. Hoping to get US sales uh, a discount code for the uh, the folks in, in in the US and uh, okay. uh, hopefully uh, Europe as well. So uh, watch the space on that. But I've definitely got a discount code for the UK uh, um, uh, listeners at the moment. So to get that discount code, just just visit my site. Uh, click on the top under the hot deals section. Uh, I've got the discount code up there. So. Uh, yeah, uh, any any oh. savings such as twenty percent can only be a good thing. So yeah. uh, for those oh, people teetering, yeah. uh, it may be enough to take the plunge. Yeah, because you know, as people uh, that are building home labs don't have, in a lot of cases, huge budgets to work with. So um, yeah. you know, I, I definitely recommend this unit. It, it's a really nice unit, and you'll be really happy with it. You know, it, it's very well built, and um, you know, hopefully, they continue to improve the, the software that's built into it. I'm sure they'll, they'll add stuff to it and refine it, but uh, definitely worth getting for your home lab. Yeah, I mean, you know, it'd be interesting to see where they take it because uh, there's obviously a lot more functionality in with the cloud edition of the uh, the OS running on there. Yeah. But uh, you know, around the back, for example, actually, I've got mine here. Um, excuse, excuse the messy desk. There is actually, as you can probably see, I've actually already taken the cover off and uh, tried putting a. Um, a PCIe network card in there. Oh, there really? was a PCIe slot on there, which was never there with the um, okay. with the IX device. So yeah, I kind of suspect they might have something up their sleeve for future oh, cool. expansion, perhaps. Um, so I, I'm not privy to that information, unfortunately. But I, it's yeah, I think the potential's there for some pretty cool things going forward. And one other cool thing is it's got one USB 3.0 port and that, so you can actually start to use USB storage connected to that, you know, where 2.0 is kind of slow to even use. Um, 3.0 definitely, you know, ups the ante there and gets you more speed. Yeah, yeah, and the other thing is as well, I, I must admit, as soon as I got it, I had the, the side off of the system board out and, and what have you to actually have a, <laughs> have a look at what's under the hood. But interesting enough, it uses the small, uh, you know, laptop-sized DIMs, DDR3 DIMs in there. Oh, okay. um, it occupies one, one socket, but there's actually a spare socket in there as well. Oh, wow. Okay. For, yeah, for additional memory gig. as well. So um, it comes with two gig right now. Where the old iX2 yeah. came with 256 meg, and I think the iX4 came with 512. So um, a lot more memory. That's good. Memory. Yeah, so you know, if you yeah, well, if you throw extra dims in there, I mean, it would probably use it for caching and things yeah. like that, which uh, yeah, which would be quite be useful. Uh, 
I know with the iX12, for example, I've actually uh, I've upped the memory in that um, previously uh, in, in the big rack mount version. Okay. And by adding extra DDR uh, uh, memory DIMMs in there, um, it actually increased the memory available through to the uh, the, the, the the operating system. And um, going in the back door, the support port method, I could see that the um, the OS was actually using this additional memory memory that you're presenting through to it. So uh, okay. once again, some some good potential there, you know, for the uh, have you, found, um, you, you <laughs> found the support hole for this one where on the old one you went to that support.html page, but that doesn't work on this one? Is there another support backdoor? Uh, no, no, I've tried, tried that myself, actually. I've tried okay. telnetting in, SSHing okay. in, using the, all, all the old backdoor tricks that, uh, that works with the IX, but uh, no, it looks like they've changed it. I'm sure it's there. It's just a matter of finding it. Maybe I better call up with a problem and uh, have them give them to me. <laughs> yeah, I should ask, ask around, actually. Uh, they yeah. probably won't tell me, but uh, yeah. there's bound to be one, I'm sure. Yeah, cool. Great. Cool. So what about the VNX? Simon, what's the latest on that? I heard there's some kind of simulator. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about it the other day, weren't we? Um, yeah, they, well, it's the VSA, so... Uh, um, yeah, so uh, the, the, there's always been a, a Slira VSA, uh, an Uber VSA that uh, Nick Weaver um, uh, basically uh, repackaged up, um, uh, streamlined, made it a lot faster, a lot easier for people to use. And uh, Nick's done a great job and actually taken the, the next iteration of that, the VNX, uh, re-Uberized it and uh, sent that out. Um, yeah, we've started using a lot in our, a lot of our uh, sort of hands-on labs or labs env- lab environments now um, for... for um, People to get hands-on time with with the appliance, for example, and um, yeah, I've been been using it quite a bit recently. Uh, I've got a webcast that I'll be doing when is it? Early August um, on how to install and configure uh, the the VNX. I did one on the Slira uh, VSA a while back, uh, which proved quite popular. So uh, I'm just updating that a little bit uh, with some of the new features, the new interface, uh, what have you, uh, for the VNX. So uh, yeah, no, great, great, great little VSA, free to download again. Um, just visit next site, Nicopedia, uh, do a Google on that, and VSA and Uber, and uh, it's normally at the top of the, uh, the search results there. So uh, definitely check it out, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're uh, looking for a um, virtual storage appliance for your home lab, um, it's definitely worth checking out, as, as so well as like uh, OpenFiler. So it's actually a VNX VSA? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a, if you can imagine a virtualized, the code that runs on, on the, uh, the VNX storage appliance itself, uh, it's, it's a virtualized instance of that. Um, it's, it is limited in a couple of aspects in, a, in as much that this particular version is uh, NFS, so file only, so you don't get block level. Um, but, uh, you know, for, for most lab environments, NFS is more than sufficient. And uh, it just means that, you know, if you're an EMC shop, for example, or you're looking at doing your certifications or education um, with, the, uh, with the VNX uh, or one of the EMC products, it's great. It means you can get hands-on time at home or on your laptop type of thing because the interface is all exactly the same. You can create NFS storage or, or shares, rather, uh, and present it through to uh, an ESX or ESXi host and uh, actually run VMs off it as well. So, I mean, that's what we do for the hands-on labs and works great. Cool. So it's got that pretty VNX interface. Like, you don't have that... That, what is it, Unisphere interface or something that you have with oh, the, the Navisphere interface? Navisphere, yeah, no, yeah. Navisphere is long gone, thank goodness. Um, okay. No, it's a new shiny uh, Unisphere interface. Uh, definitely a lot more intuitive, a okay. lot more user friendly, uh, and, and a lot more eye candy there as well. So, uh, okay. yeah, yeah, a lo- lot nicer to use. Cool, cool. I'll have to check it out. When's your webinar again? 
Uh, early August, I think it's the first or second week of August. Um, okay. I'll put something up on my blog. Uh, if not, check okay. out the uh, the the, uh, the webinar page on on the MC site. Cool, cool. So, Eric, I heard uh, you guys had the big Denver Regional VMUG yesterday. Yeah. How'd that yeah. go? It went great. Um, we had a pretty good turnout, and then we had, a, um, I think, at least 250 people show up. Um, it was, we had lots of vendors there. We had some great speakers. Um, the keynote, the, the morning keynote was uh, Scott Harold from Quest, who did a, 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 an awesome session, which I think he's going to publish a slide soon on um uh, basically kind of adjusting to the virtual data center. It really wasn't a product pitch at all. It was all about, you know, how you deal with virtualization inside your data center. Really good session. Really impressed by it. Scott Lowe did a great, an awesome session as well on um, networking design and that with um, kind of answering a lot of the common questions that you get with networking design. How many, uh, uh, NICs should I use? How many should I use a standard switch, distributed vSwitch and all that? So another really good session. Um, we had lots of great vendors there. Um, it was set up you know, in a way where we had a whole kind of like a, a solutions exchange of our own where it was a, a one big room that had the vendor tables ringing around the outside of the room with all the, uh, the, the, the tables where people could sit and, you know, eat at in the middle of the room and that. So set up really well. The, the MyVMUG people, that new team that they have that kind of took this over, just, I, I can tell you how impressed I was with how, how smoothly they ran that thing. They, they coordinated everything. We didn't really, you know, I'm one of the VMUG leaders. Um, you know, we had to make some of the decision-making things on, you know, content and sponsors and that. But as far as running it, we, we were pretty hands-off, and they pretty much handled everything, all the logistics of that event. And it just ran ran so smoothly in that. They even had um, the new high-tech where you actually can walk up to the laptop, put your name in, it pulls up your information and prints your badge for you, and you just stick it in your thing. Um, they had the scanners for the vendors so the vendors could scan badges, all that. So it was an awesome event, and, you know, I know they're, um, they're doing these in other cities as well. Um, if you don't have one coming to your city, um, I would suggest, you know, to contact um, the, the VMUG team, and um, they can definitely arrange that to, to get one in your city in that. Um, just overall, a really great event. Cool, cool. And Scott wore his new Aussie barbecue hat. He did. Scott Harold was uh, very proud of. He was up in Boulder, Colorado, and um, he found uh, that hat at a store in Boulder, and uh, was uh, actually wore it during the session just to um, impress uh, Andy Mann from uh, CA, who's uh, an Aussie and uh, also uh, lives in Boulder, and that. And um, so he was uh, probably showing that hat off during the uh, during the V mug. So what, cool. what was that hat? Um, we'll post a link to it. Yeah, it's uh, I, I took a picture of it too, and my, my I tweeted it, and that it's just one of those kind of Aussie outback hats that you wear, and that. Ah. Uh, he called it his grilling hat, you know, where Andy corrected uh. him. It's, they don't grill in Australia. It's a, it's a Barbie. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's right, that's right. Yeah. Actually, talking of cool things, um, check out this this <laughs> rather rather fetching <laughs> shirt here. Um, <laughs> sort of a, a pork barbecue. Um, those of you from the south and in, uh, in the U.S. It's got the will pig no doubt butt on the back there. Well, what's that? It's got the pig butt on the back. There you go. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks to David for uh, sending that across to me. Um, I, I was working across in North Carolina uh, pre-MC World, and, uh, yeah, I've never had so much sort of pork barbecue for lunch and dinner before. Uh, I never knew pork was such a big thing, so uh, David kindly sent me over the shirt uh, that's quite well known over there. Um, <laughs> so wearing, wearing it with pride now. <laughs> All right. That's awesome. You're big on the pig. That's what they say. Big on the pig. Yeah, that's what it says on the back. So, uh, <laughs> 
I'd never heard of that before, but uh, yeah. <laughs> well, cool, cool. So, uh, Eric, what about HP Discover? I know you went to that recently. What was that like? Yeah, you know, it was it seemed similar to VMworld. It was actually at the same um, venue that VMworld was several years ago in Las Vegas at the Venetian and that. So it felt, you know, really comfortable to me because I already been in that setting before. Everything was kind of laid out the same. The solutions exchange was in the same area and that. Um, it, it was good. They, um, you know, HP brought um, a bunch of bloggers down. There was probably about 20 of us that they kind of all expense paid us to come in there. Um, you know, every, every single expense from airfare, transportation, food, the, the works. Um, and they really took care of us and made sure that we got all the information that we needed. They um, ran their, they had their own bloggers lounge. They had a coffee table talk set up on a schedule on that where they'd bring in, um, you know, like engineers from HP to talk about some technology. They'd bring in, um, you know, some of the executives to talk about things and that. And just in an informal setting and that, you know, just, you know, sitting around a table asking questions and that. And uh, it was really good. Um, it was, you know, they had session-wise an unbelievable, I think, too many sessions. They had, I think, close to 900 sessions in that, which is, you know, that's just kind of crazy to try to figure out a schedule with, with that many sessions and that. Um, it, it ran... It runs longer than um, VMworld typically does, so it was spread over across five days from Monday to Friday. Um, but overall, it was a really good time. It was uh, I enjoyed looking at all the HP technology that they had on the show floor. They were introducing their new virtual system, which is kind of a you know their answer to the the FlexPod or the um, the VBlock and that. So it's um, you know saw a lot of the great. So what are- yeah, what is that, Eric? I mean, I haven't heard of that. Obviously, they've been running them at the, you know, HP have had their Matrix offering for the last, you know, couple yeah. of years now. Is no. it based on the Matrix or is it sort of a variation on that? It's different, and you know that was one of the things I asked too. Because when they initially announced it at HP Discover, I'm like, "What is this?" And that there's not a lot of information on what what the components are and all that. So um, I was a little bit confused on what it was. So you know, from what I I, I found out a little bit more information afterwards, and they're going to be doing more um, kind of webinars and white papers on it. But you know, it's basically a pre-configured system that is you know comes with um, certain HP servers and storage and networking, and you also have your choice of right now it supports um, Hyper-V or or, um, vSphere and that to put on it. So it's basically just their bundled system and that. Um, I, I didn't really know the technical deals too much. I need to dig into it more um, once I release more information on it. Um, it seemed like at HP Discover it was just kind of the announcement but not too much detail about it. Um, and I, I'm trying to run down the one of the product managers for that line and, and kind of hook up with them to find out more about it. So hopefully I'll, I'll find out more about that later on. Um, the big interesting. Theme, some, one of the big so things here was, oh, sorry. oh, go ahead. No, 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 I'm guessing it's probably uh, definitely it's going to be based on the C-series uh, blade enclosure, the, uh, you know, a rebranded, uh, you know, one of the three comm switches. It'll be interesting to see what storage they, they match with it, whether they go as low as the sort of MSA range or whether they're going to go in with left hand or maybe a three-power offering. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it's not MSA. I know that. Um, I thought it might be the P4000 line, but um, I can't remember exactly. I know they're really trying to integrate the three-power stuff in um, as well to a lot of their offerings as, you know, primarily one of their primary VMware um, vSphere storage devices. So um, we'll kind of see once I get more details on where that goes. But be interesting to see and uh, how they integrate. I know they do have a lot of um, integration from a software standpoint as well with um, all the stuff you can get for uh, the inside control and that where you can integrate into vCenter plugins and all that as well. And, and that's, uh, I've been playing with that a little bit lately. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm anxious to learn more about it and see what it is and, um, and capabilities and all that. So. Um, of course, as well, um, 
there was a really big uh, focus on WebOS at HP Discover, obviously because they're coming out with a new tablet, yeah, the touchpad, and that was pretty impressive. I must say that I, I'd definitely be tempted to go with that. Um, I think it's a worthy competitor to the iPad, and that you know, where the the Android, I have the Android, one of the Android, the Galaxy tabs, um, haven't been impressed with that at all. But the touchpad, it's just so slick. They they did an awesome job with it. They took their time. They integrated it well. And, you know, it may not have the app ecosystem of the iPad, but everything else on it is good enough that it kind of can offset that. It's very usable. Um, I think the app will come now that a big company like HP is behind this device, and especially it will probably be pretty strong in the consumer market and that. So um, I think they did an awesome job with this touchpad, and I I look forward to getting a hold of one and uh, trying it out and um, comparing it to the iPad. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I've seen some of the initial reviews around it that have come out over the last couple of days, and they've definitely spoken of it quite favorably. I, yeah. I was wondering whether it was going to be a bit of, you know, another lemon um, on the announcement. But people are actually, you know, they're serious in their reviews when they're actually comparing it with an iPad. I think the iPad's still got the eye candy factor to it. Um, but from yeah. what I gather, the WebOS itself is, is the real... Uh, is the real um, it's the real yeah. selling point with it. Apparently, yeah. it's very, very slick, and it actually does a couple of things that's uh, better than, than apparently what the iPad does. So, well, it it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. It does multitasking. The iPad doesn't do that. You know, the, the programs yeah. in the background, the iPad sleep. And, uh, it's not a true multitasking OS. And um, the browsing, I heard, is a lot better. The tab browsing that you use in the um, on the web OS and that. And um, so I, I think it's you know for, I think it's going to integrate better into the enterprise you know with HP's backing behind it and um, you know f- into Windows where you know Apple is focused on Apple products like for example you can't FaceTime on a, an iPad to a Windows computer which I, I find a big problem because I don't know a lot of people with Apple devices that I can connect to so I think you know they're going the integration is going to be better you know from the Windows side and um, where you know you should be able to do more with it and that video conferencing and things like that so um so i'm really anxious yeah, I to think, see what all you know yeah i, I mean I, I, I think the big thing would be the development community around it. So, I mean, that's what I, you know, Apple has really got behind it is the whole yeah. development community, and you've got such a breadth and quality of products out there. And I think if HP can do something similar with the WebOS, you know, from a virtualization point of view, it'd be interesting to see whether, you know, if it does take off, whether there's going to be a port of the, you know, the, the vSphere client, or you know, probably unlikely at this stage. But you know, if there was a view client, or you know, if Wise port port their, uh, you know, their thin client software across to it. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. So I look forward to seeing how it progresses. I think that would involved. be the make or break. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of the, uh, the vSphere client, um, the new one's out for the iPad, the update, just came out 1. the other day. 1, yeah. um, it really doesn't do any more functionality. It's a lot of bug fixes in that. Um, you need the new vCMA, so don't upgrade it until you upgrade your, your CMA on, on the back end. Um, you know, they've... Hopefully, they say there's more feature stuff in the works. So, you know, obviously, I think people want more than anything vMotion, being able to vMotion a VM, which is handy. And then I think the other second biggest requested feature is the uh, remote console, being able to have a, a console on a VM and that. So um, hopefully they, you know, start adding more features to it and, and develop it a little bit more and um, get it more usable because today, you know, I, I just don't find it, the limited functionality just doesn't really make it all that robust to use on a, on a daily basis. 
Yeah, it's definitely more about the eye candy at this stage, I think. Um, but it was interesting. I mean, there was a, there are a few good little additions with 1.1. I mean, if they continue to uh, develop it, and like you say, get some of this real core functionality that people are screaming out for with it, such as the V Motion, for example, yeah. I think they, they're going to be onto a winner there, um, sort of long term. Uh, but yeah. obviously, they've got to keep uh, keep plugging away at it, keep adding the features and the, and the minor releases to keep people's interest in it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, David, uh, we got invited to a special event coming up, huh? Yeah, July 12th. Uh, you know, VMware is having a big webinar. Um, something big is in the works from uh, Steve Harrod and Paul Moritz are going to be on there. And, uh, yeah, you you and I, Eric, are, are going to be in the room live, I guess, yeah. uh, watching them make whatever the big announcement might be. Yeah, the, the, the Part 5 thing kind of hinted towards something, so... Well, uh, well, I know they're not allowed to speak a lot about it. They're legally bound where they can't go into details about it. So that's why they've been, they've kind of been intensely vague on what it is. I think most people can put two and two together to figure it out. Um, they're encouraging people to, to sign up to this, uh, the webinar. If you go to VMware's website, there's, a, I think, a big link on the front page to it and that, um, that I encourage you to go there and sign up. It should be really good. Um, I found surprising is it's actually where the last one they did for vSphere was in uh, Palo Alto at the headquarters. Um, it's not there. They're doing it in San Francisco at uh, I forget the name of that place. It's kind of like a gallery place, uh, Terra something, yeah. um, where yeah, it's uh, kind of almost like the the Apple type of format where it'll be you know a, a lot of press people there. Um, not many bloggers. I think uh, me, David, uh, Bill Hill, and Bob Plankers were the, the only bloggers they invited. Um, but they want to get a lot of buzz and a lot of excitement. And I think people really find this to be a very exciting announcement. You know, obviously we can't go into details in it, but it's definitely worth watching. But, uh, I think they're also, in addition to the, the general session that both Paul and um, Stephen will be doing, they will also be doing a lot of uh, kind of breakout sessions afterwards on uh, various you know features and functionality as well that that should be good as well so encourage everybody to uh to, to watch that um me and david we're going to try to do a vchat out there and we might have a very special guest for that so uh stay tuned and uh, definitely go register Definitely. I mean, I think yeah. I, I think part of the clue, like you say, could be in the name there. I mean, they're advertising it as called Raising the Bar Part Five. Yeah. So I'm th I'm kind of putting two and two together. I'm thinking twenty, you know, the 2012 coming up for the Olympics. I think what's happening is Paul Moritz and Steve Herod are announcing they're entering a VMware high jumping team into the Olympics. <laughs> hence the title uh, Raising the Bar. So I I kind of suspect maybe could be something like that. You know, who knows? Yeah, and. <laughs> Just to add one other thing that it's going to be more than people expect. They're probably expecting a certain announcement to come out, but there's more to it than that. So it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait. I'm bringing my video camera. We're going to try to do a VChat. Yeah, I'm going to try to interview anybody I can get my hands on. And, uh, yeah, I was hoping it was going to be in Palo Alto like the last announcement was. But yeah. um, still, I, I may go down to Palo Alto right after the event and see if I can, you know, just walk in the VMware front door and, and try to get somebody on video to, to talk about the new announcements. So yeah, yeah, definitely. It should be a lot of fun. Should be a good time. Yeah, I'll post a link to um, the webinar to register, you know, right below the VChat here uh, once it's posted. So Cool. So let's see, what else? Uh, VExpert, I, I haven't heard if I'm a, a VExpert yet. Um, you guys have any news? Yeah, by the time you listen no, to this, I think, they'll, I think they'll, 
Uh, they'll already be announced. Um, when John John Troyer was actually at the Denver VMUG, and, that, and he had all the results on his laptop there. So um, it was just a matter of him getting the mail merged. He, they don't have a, a uh, finally okay. tuned system to do it. It's a lot of manual piecing together things. Of him getting the mail merged to work from uh, whatever from Word to to send out all the emails um, to get those sent out. So it's done. All the judging. They had a a panel of judges this time, which why it took longer. That you know he had to wait to get all the responses back from the judges. Um, I think. He said they had about 600 people apply. Um, about 300 um, were the final approval. Um, and there's, uh, they're opening up the program a little bit more. There's more benefits in that. Um, you know, he's been kind of behind on this, so the gifts from last year I think are going to go out real quick, and the gifts from this next, um, the 2011, will also go out real quick. So he's doing a lot of catch up. The directory is finally live as well. The uh, the expert oh, really? directory. Where um, you can actually see who the V experts are, you know, before you know you kind of had to rely on word of mouth for people posting on their blogs and they had to find out. So that'll be posted as well, where people can go in and enter their own information and that. So, so look for it soon. Um, like I said, if it, it's probably already out by the time you're listening to this, so um, congratulations to all those that uh, that made it. Yeah, there's going to be a big V expert event. I know um, Sunday night before VMworld. Yeah, three to um, six. Steve Herod and John Troyer and. Yep. What's so, that? Uh, it's from 3 to 6 on uh, that Sunday, so um, travel okay. early if you're planning on going to that. Um, it's going to be, you know, traditionally it was on, I think, we, was it like Tuesday last year that we had it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was on about Tuesday, yeah. We're trying to avoid other things, so it's going to be on Sunday right before the, the VMware Underground Party, so it'll be 3 to 6, so, you know, um, I want to adjust your travel plans so to be able to, to come in a little bit early to attend that. The, you know, VMware, VMworld this year will be formally starting on Monday. The keynote, Palmer Ritz, is going to be at 3 o'clock on that Monday. It's not going to be Tuesday morning. Mm -hmm. So you definitely want to get there, you know, before previous VMworlds, uh, Monday was more of partner day and developer days and that. Not anymore. It's going to be, you know, formally starting on that Monday. Um, and then there'll be other keynotes throughout the week. I think Stephen um, Herod is on Tuesday, and then um, there'll be uh, another smaller one on Wednesday, and I think they're going to do a fun one again on Thursday. Oh, cool. So yeah, I'm excited about the VM Underground Party. Um, you know, Train, Train Signal is going to be a sponsor, and you know, this year they've got the whole um, thirst. What is it? The, it's not the Thirsty Bear. What's it called uh, in Las Vegas? Of course, it's Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, it's Vegas now. I know the place. Oh, was it an Irish bar or something that did it? Like, yeah, it's an Irish bar. Yeah, okay. That was down the street or nine, something. Nine fine, nine fine Irishmen. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They did it there years yeah. ago, I think. A small one. Yeah, so they've got this year. They've got both floors. They've got the whole the whole place. So okay. it'll be a lot more people. I think like five hundred, three to five hundred people or something. It's going to be really big. Yeah, should be so, that's pretty cool. Should, should be good. Expect, so imagine yeah. details on that to be uh, be coming out relatively yeah. soon. I'll, I'll talk to the guys and see whether we can get it uh, published up onto the vbiz dot uh, org site as well. So that'd be cool. Yeah, should know, be we'll Publicize it as much as we can. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of VMworld, uh, you know, Kendra Coleman and I will be talking about free tools again this year. And so we've started reviewing, you know, the different free tools that are out there. Um, and there's actually some really cool new free tools like VM Turbo's uh, monitor, which I was uh, playing with this week. It's like a, a virtual machine uh, that you import and um, it's got some really nice uh, performance, you know, related features for a free tool. Oh, cool. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, Zangati also did a new release of their product yeah. and they, I saw that. They yeah. the installation, yeah. and you know they've got health scores and stuff. So uh, 
We'll also be looking at a lot of the new VMware Labs stuff. You know, they've put okay. out a lot of new VMware Flings. Labs. Yeah, Flings recently. So um, we've, we've been trying to incorporate a lot more videos in the presentation this year to make it, you know, that much more exciting. So oh, great. Um, if there's any vendor, yeah, yeah. So if there's any vendors out there, you know, send me an email, send Kendrick an email, let us know about your products. We want to, you know, talk about all the free stuff we can. So um, yeah, there's some pretty pretty good stuff out there now. Uh, like you say, the Zingati is now free or is free. Um, got to check that out at some stage. And uh, definitely the amount of flings uh, the fling team are uh, producing now have definitely ramped up a lot over the last couple of months, uh, which is really good to see. Yeah, I'm going to have to incorporate that VNX uh, VSA, you know, in, into the presentation because I think that's a really cool uh, cool free tool. Yeah, I mean it's free. As with the plugins, actually, the 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 the, 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 the uh, vCenter plugins work work with it as well. So, uh, you know, you can get the full end-to-end -end experience uh, and, and manage the whole thing for, for, for via the uh, vCenter interface. Um, so even more free stuff, <laughs> which is always good. We like free. Yeah, free is good. <laughs> yeah. So um, next next uh, Tuesday, no, next Wednesday. I'm sorry. Uh, it may be already passed by the time we post this, but um, uh, Train Signal will be releasing a VCA desktop uh, training course by Brian Knudsen. Um, Brian's a, a VCP. He's a, a VMUG leader in Nebraska, and um, he's one of those guys who've been to VMworld, I don't know how many times, like every one of the VMworlds. Okay. Uh, anyway. He always seems to be there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Brian's come up with a good... Um, View uh, desktop sort of administration uh, training course for that new VCA desktop certification, which I'm excited about because it doesn't require you to take a VMware, you know, education course. So that's cool compared to the that's VCP. Cool. And then, yeah, and then uh, Jason Nash and uh, Lane uh, Leverett have been working on a, a security course for us, so I'm excited to see that too. I've just started watching some of their training, so. Cool stuff. Pretty good. Does that include um, Does that include V Shield? Yeah, they will be talking about V Shield. I don't know that they'll go, you know, in depth. I mean, I don't know how advanced it will be. I should say because mm -hmm. you know, V Shields, man, it's a you, big could, you could make a ten-hour training course yeah. on, on yeah. V Shield. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but I think they'll provide a good, you know, introduction and and give you everything you need to know about the V Shield product um, related to to the VCA um, DC, to the the VCA, you know, certification. Oh, so cool. the stuff that's on the blueprint is kind of what they're trying to cover. Oh, very cool. Yeah. I definitely yeah. want to look out for there, or two to look out for. Yeah, so what else, guys? What else have you been up to? Uh, other stuff, uh, I've been trying to get time to uh, to blog as much as I can, but it's it's been kind of tough again. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're we're ramping up for VMworld now. Uh, EMC World finished uh, a few weeks off. Uh, and straight into VMworld now, so uh, it's kind of crazy. Uh, ran a competition. Um, these may look familiar to you, uh, there, David. <laughs> ran a ran, ran a competition on the uh, on the website there. Uh, had some great entries oh. uh, come in, and uh, the winners are being picked. So I'm sending those out to the uh, the, uh, the the winners in the, in the next day or so. Um, but yeah, just trying to get time to uh, to work, you know, to, to blog in the, the evenings and uh, weekends and everything, and. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like uh, like I mentioned, got a few um, f few posts around the iMega PX coming up, um, and uh, a few other goodies as well. So, yeah. Cool. I used one of your blog posts, by the way, recently. Um, I got a new HP ML110G6, and I tried to put some 
of the fastest RAM, I guess, available in it, and it didn't like that RAM very much. And so mm. I read one of your blog posts about how it's very particular about the type of RAM. So even though the RAM yeah. I had met the HP, you know, the, the specifications as to what it would take, it still didn't work. And, I, of course, HP said, well, you have to put HP RAM in it. Um, That's what I use in expense, yeah. <laughs> but I read one of your blog posts and um, found out the, the speed of RAM that you're using in yours, and you said that some people had problems, and so I've actually ordered that particular RAM to try in mine. So. Yeah, yeah, there's a number of uh, the Kingston, there's a few models of the Kingston and also the Corsair RAM that work, work in it. Um, okay. So yeah, you gotta be a little bit careful, um, on there. But you know, once, once it's in, once you've got the model that works, it's, it's been fine. Actually, my, my, my G6 is my main machine here in my lab and, uh, yeah, it, it's on 24-7 and, um, touch wood, it hasn't, hasn't missed a beat so far. Um, the only incidents I've had recently is actually in, in my IX, which has been running solidly for two years. I had a drive fail in that, uh, recently. Um, mm. but, uh, you know, contacted IME and, uh, swapped the drive out now. But, uh, yeah, luckily everything's, Continues to tick along, and uh, yeah, no, it's a good, good little unit actually. Actually, here in the UK, um, uh, HP have been running a an offer on the 110G6 on the Xeon model. Uh, it's been about 100 pounds cash back. So, um, yeah, you know, if you're if you're in the market, you're in the UK for one, definitely check that out because they make great little lab machines, or even for the SMB or remote office space, they're pretty pretty good. They're good. Yeah, yeah, I got it up to 12 gigs, and it was screaming. You know, with vSphere, it just seems so fast. So I, I should have it up to 16 gigs when I get the new RAM in, and it's going to be a good machine. So. Yeah, I've got 16 in mine at the moment, and I am running some pretty heavy lifting VMs in there at the moment uh, for, for the EMC uh, lab work I'm doing. But, uh, yeah, I've got two, two uh, VNX VSAs running there. I've got eight, nine VMs running in there. Uh, pretty much wow. maxed out the 16 gigs in there, but, uh, you know, the quad-core CPU Xeon on there is more than handling it, and got it all running off the SSDs on the iMega, and, uh, yeah, it's running running well, actually, running running quite smoothly. Cool, cool. Anything else to add, guys, before we close up? Um, no. I, I, well, I've got my latest read here, actually. Oh, yeah, I got that, so, too. Uh, oh. Good book. Yeah, yeah, PowerCLI, VMware, vSphere, PowerCLI reference, so... Uh, Yep, Luke Deacons, Alan Renouf, uh, Glenn Sizemore, uh, Armin Van Lieshout, and, uh, Jonathan Med. Great book. Um, like you see, it's the, it's the size of a small house, and probably <laughs> will take me a number day. of weeks to try and wade through. Um, yeah. so, uh, no, it looks, I've had a flick through, it looks a really good read. Uh, definitely very comprehensive, and they've got a ton of scripts in there, so, uh, it's the type of thing, even for a reference book, you know, if you can find a script that they've already put in there that you can sort of dip in and out and, uh, you know, uh, teach yourself a bit of power CLI along the way, uh, definitely looks quite useful. So that's that's my latest read at the moment. Cool. Cool. Cool, I'll have to check it out. Well, I know Eric's going to take off on vacation. Yeah. So uh, I guess we'll wrap this one up. I appreciate your time, guys. It's been awesome. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, great. It's been smashing. Is that what they say, Simon, smashing? <laughs> uh, not anymore, unless you're very uncool. No. But we can very say smashing. Uncool. We can be uncool. We're geeks, you know. Okay. <laughs> so have a smashing All time. Right. Yeah. Thank you for watching this episode of VChat, the latest in virtualization and cloud computing news and how-to. Eric, Simon, and David want your feedback, so send questions or ideas for future VChat topics to vchat at trainsignal.com.